This is the fourth string podcast. Thank you, Benjamin, for the dancing. Oh, man. What a way to start. I had no idea that was coming. I know. I I love every time we open, I give you something else and you just roll with it. That's how we go. I I like it. Um, All right. Today is the SEC East. I am stoked. It is the last of the Power Five conferences. We're going to do a Power Five podcast. Um, And then next week we got football. That's right. Which I am stoked about. Vandy is going to Iowa. Or no, not Iowa. Hawaii. Hawaii next weekend. They are flying there today. Yeah. It's a good place. It's a nice vacation for uh, the coaching staff that probably won't win a game this year. It's going to be the only vacation they have this year. Um, On that note, uh, let's get to some news before we get rolling here with SEC. So Quinn Ewers named the starter at Texas. This was my prediction um, a few weeks ago. I thought he would win the starting battle. I believe Ben also felt the same way. Um, oh, yeah. Huge He talent. was battling. Let's see. He I'm was so battling Hudson with hard for the uh, starting quarterback job there at Texas, and Quinn Ewers went it out. Yeah. Starkeesian plus the golden boy returning home is going to be one of the coolest storylines that we see this year. Yeah. Like, well, and I just, I think he is like Hudson card, I think was the efficient option. I think yours has that ability to elevate your team to wins. Maybe you wouldn't have one otherwise. And I just don't think, and I mean, it may completely blow up, but I just don't think Hudson card had that capability. Um, yours has got a heck of an arm. He's fast. He's quick. Uh, it's going to be fun to watch them. Um, all right. Nine-game SEC schedule, unanimous decision. That has been handed down, so the SEC is not going to go to a nine-game schedule. Didn't see when that was going to start, but I would have to imagine that's going to start next year. Ben, I think anytime you're forcing these teams to play more Power 5 games, that's a win. Like, I would love to see week one, Georgia, Alabama. Like, let's go. Like, just week one, Labor Day weekend, let's get that out of the way. Um, I think the sport needs to get better about opening the year. And this is a huge step in the right direction. Yeah. I highly doubt the SEC wants Georgia, Alabama week one. Uh, Cause they're, I think old. it'd be great. Get them week one, get them in the conference championship game, get them in the national championship game. That's true. With that amount of time, you can still kind of circle back, but I think it makes sense. And it needed to happen a long time ago when the expansion of Texas A&M and Missouri came. Because in the current setup, SEC teams, they have seven in each conference, and then they only play, they have like one ever turning east, Mm -hmm. and they only play every other team like every decade or something like that. So to expand it to another uh, mandatory game for the SEC to play makes total sense. Well, and we don't don't know how they're going to rearrange the divisions yet. But you have to imagine there's going to be some lost rivalries there. Like, mm-hmm. you know, like, I mean, let's just say, you know, Auburn and LSU get end up in a oh, boo-hoo divisions. I'll miss know? that. What's... <laughs> but, there's you know, not a I single Auburn a... fan that would miss that. <laughs> but it's an entertaining game that the it rest is. of us would miss. We want to yeah. see that. It's a, you know, passionate rivalry. Um, so I think that's a win for college football. Other news, uh 
And this is another starting quarterback, Casey Thompson, named the starter at Nebraska. That's not really a surprise. I think that needed to happen for Nebraska. Um, we talked about them a few weeks ago doing the Big Ten podcast. I think that is a team making some steps in the right direction. I don't think they're going to be three and nine like they were last year, but I'm not on this uh, bandwagon everybody else seems to be on where this is automatically a nine, 10 win team. I just don't see that, but he's a good quarterback. He was at Texas a year ago. He's going to win them some games. He's going to elevate the offense. Really um, nice pickup and announcement there for Nebraska. Yep. Scott Frost needs some, some wins and uh... he does. I mean, there's nobody more in the hot seat than him right now. Well-deserved. <laughs> yeah. Well, I mean, it's – yeah, you can't take – I mean, Nebraska is one of these national powerhouse programs. They mm-hmm. may not be what they were 20 years ago, but you can't be three, four, or five wins a year and keep your job there. They still have the ability to be similar to what they were 20 years ago. Granted, I think they were Big 12 then, and that's all changed around – However, like they, there's a bunch of boys eating corn out in that area. And yeah, uh, I mean, the, the recruiting is, is strong. The, you know, back then, like if you look at the teams that were good 20, 30 years ago, and I think the two that have been impacted the most are Notre Dame and Nebraska. They could get any recruit they wanted. And the reason is, is because they were always on nationally televised games. So if you wanted to go play pro, you had to go to a team that was going to be nationally televised. And there were really only a handful. I mean, now I can watch a Wednesday night high school game if I want to, like a JV game on ESPN Plus, right? Anybody that wants to get on TV is, TV is getting on TV. And if you look at the products going into the NFL, like you're not, if you're good, they're going to find you. You may not get drafted in the top, you know, first, second, third round, but you will be found. Right. And so like Nebraska, I think, has lost a lot of their muster. Right. They really have kind of lost that unique advantage that programs like Ohio State and Oklahoma and Alabama have been able to retain. Um, But he's going to be a really interesting starter going in there for the Cornhuskers. All right. Let's get to the SEC East. I'm stoked about this. I think it's going to be a really fun year. Um, We're going to give you our, our predictions for the division here in just a second. I think Georgia is going to be really, really, really good again, but taking a step back, I actually think the offense is going to be the highlight of that team. The defense will be good, but I think that's where they're taking the biggest step back. Um, And then the rest of the division, I feel like, is a little wide open. Like a lot of people, when I say Tennessee's locked in at second, what has Josh Waple really accomplished yet? They looked good last year, a lot of games but I don't think they've accomplished anything. And I'm not going to sleep on Kentucky either. They were the second best team last year. They're bringing back Will Levis, bringing back their running back, Rodriguez. That's going to be a really, really good football team as well. And then you wonder, can South Carolina take that next step with Shane Beamer at head coach? And now they're bringing in, um, shoot, what's his, Spencer Rattler at quarterback. Um Florida, what does your one under Billy Napier look like? That's going to be interesting. I think uh, Elia Dr- Drinkwitz, um, Elia makes you want to drink a lot, Wits, at Missouri. <laughs> um, I think he is on the hot seat if he can't get that team back to a ball. They're They've been going. at six, seven wins a year for about five straight years now, but they can't get over it. Um, and then Vandy, 
I mean, it, they're Vandy. Vandy's Vandy. And go to so Hawaii. Anyways. <laughs> All right. Let's go through our SEC rankings. Ben, tell me who do you have one through seven? Uh, starting off, I mean, we're probably going to be pretty similar on this. Uh, we'll see. So I've got Georgia at number one, clearly. Uh, look, you say that they're going to take a step back on their defense. The thing that's amazing about Kirby Smart is he rotates so many guys. All the players that are not starters have played in many, many games. So not a problem there. And they return majority of their offense that was really, you know, driving a lot of production. Maybe running back will be a little bit of a challenge, but I'm sure they have some incredible guys to step up there. Well, and And, real quick, too, on their offense, everybody wants to trash Stetson Bennett. Like, I don't think he's the most amazing quarterback, but the guy was fantastic last year. Fantastic game manager. Yeah. And that's all you need to be in that program. He beat out JT Daniels, who transferred Mm -hmm. in from Georgia. And everybody loves JT Daniels' arm and all that stuff. Well, listen, Stetson Bennett beat him out. There is a reason for it. I don't think he's the greatest athlete ever either, but he knows how to manage that offense. He's one of the best Georgia quarterbacks of all time. Yeah. He actually took him to the national championship and won it. So, look, that's something that many, 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 many other Georgia quarterbacks could not do. No, you're right. Yeah. And, yeah, he was a walk-on, whatever. This was his dream, and he made it happen. So don't don't count someone out that, you know, has their own willpower going to drive them forward. Mm-hmm. Uh, next up, it's kind of a, a toss-up between three. Uh the only reason it's not Florida is that I don't know what Billy Napier has done because it's been very quiet. I think yeah. that could be a very good thing. I think Florida has the talent, even though they don't have any like really big five stars on their team right now. The way that Florida recruits, even with the poor management they've had over the past few years, should be very good. However, I do have Tennessee number two. Okay. Uh, Hennon Hooker is a fantastic quarterback. The team looked good in many games last year uh, still only went seven and six. So nothing special, but they should be better this year. They're not the, Georgia could take two steps back and still be ahead over every single other team in the East. So it's just how top heavy this division is. Uh, next up is Florida. Then Kentucky uh, Stoops is going to be strong once again. Lots of returning guys. I think they're just kind of middle of the pack, though, because of the fact that no one else in the East is that great. Then I've got South Carolina finishing out with Missouri and Vanderbilt, who is traveling to Northern Illinois for one of their games. Yeah, we were talking about this for the podcast. You want to know the difference between Vanderbilt and the other 13 SEC teams? The only team in the conference that would go to Northern Illinois for a game is Vanderbilt. That's the difference. No other SEC games doing that. Um, all right, here's my uh, prediction, my rundown here. I've got Georgia at number one. I think they are the clear-cut favorite again in the East, though I don't think it's automatic. I've got two toss-ups. One is going to drive Ben nuts. Um, I can't wait to talk about it. My number two team is Tennessee, um, and I, it's – 
listen, I don't like putting them here because I don't feel like they are ready to be the first or second best team in a division. But top to bottom, they have the most talented team in the division besides Georgia. So they are really, really good. Um, and I think at this point, like we saw enough progress from Josh Rapel last year, there's something there, but they got to cut down on the penalties. They got to be a more disciplined team. The game against Ole Miss, and it was overshadowed a lot by the fans, but the game really on the field from Tennessee, a little bit of a disaster there towards the end. Um, number three, I've got Kentucky. Look, I'm not ready to count this team out. Will Levis is an absolutely phenomenal quarterback. Mark Stoops does more with less and is starting to do more with more. We Nobody talks about it. Kentucky has had a top 25 class for about five years in a row now. This isn't a bad team or a team not talented enough to compete with even Georgia. They can. Now, last year they got off to a rough start against Georgia. The test was a little bit too big. But I'm telling you, don't sleep on them. That is a good football team. Number four, I've got Florida. Um, again, I don't think Florida is going to be a great team. I think they will upset somebody. You're going to want to play them earlier in the year than later. But and you got to look at Billy Napier too. He was seven and seven his first year at Louisiana Lafayette. There's a lot of Florida fans right now upset with the way he managed recruiting. Um, let the guy coach a couple games. I do think they're going to be good towards the end of the year, but I just don't know how badly do they start off. Fortunately, the schedule is pretty manageable. I've got them in fourth. South Carolina's at fifth. This is not South Carolina being a bad football team. I actually think they're an improved team from last year. And if they finished as high as second, I would not be shocked. I'd be a little surprised, but not shocked. Spencer Rattler's great. His offensive coordinator was the offensive coordinator at Oklahoma a few years ago. Um, so he recruited them, I think. I uh, know. Let me actually let me step back. Shane Beamer was the offensive coordinator at Oklahoma when Spencer Rattler was being recruited. So this is a little bit of a homecoming for him. Um, I think he's going to be great. I think Shane Beamer recruited him for a reason. And Shane Beamer's got this team in an upward trajectory right now. Sixth is Missouri. Like I said, I think Elijah Drinkwitz is on the hot seat. If they got back to six and six and into another bowl, would not be surprised. But I really feel like this year, that is a three to four win team, especially if they can't go to Kansas State and pull off a win early in the year. And then last, I've got Vandy. Look, Vandy is Vandy. There's just no way getting around it. We're going to preview them. But that team is not going to be improved this year. That's just a bad, bad football team that happens to be in the SEC. All right. How'd I do, Ben? I do good. Solid. So the, I think the only thing that I would uh, critique you on, and we'll find this very early September. Oh, no critiques. September tenth, uh, Kentucky plays Florida in the swamp. So between the two within your rankings, that'll be the deciding factor there. It will, and we're going to get to Kentucky in a second. But my thing on Florida, if you caught what I said there, that will be a much better team after week eight. Before week eight, they're trying to figure things out. Billy Napier is trying to figure out the offense. And the way he runs his offense, by the way, it's not a passing offense. It is a rushing offense. Well, Kentucky's front seven, that may be the strength of their defense. Last year, the secondary was a big problem. The strength, though, with Kentucky is the front seven is really good. So I think Kentucky's got a little bit of an edge, and they're getting Florida early in the year. Going to the swamp is never easy. But let's also keep in mind, 
Florida is going to be coming off of a game against Utah. So Florida gets Utah right off the bat, then Kentucky right after that. I don't think there's any advantage there for Florida, considering it's the second home game in a row early in the season with a brand new coach. It's going to be wild. That's going to be a fun game week two, for sure. Uh All right, let's talk about Georgia. I am stoked. So we were talking about Stetson Bennett um, to start start off the podcast there. Like people don't realize Stetson Bennett, he threw for, I said 33, threw for 29 touchdowns, seven picks last year, completed about 65%, threw for close to 3,000 yards. Like those are not bad numbers. Let's stop dogging the sky. He is a great quarterback. What George is going to have to figure out is how do we replace Zamir White and James Cook? Both of those were great players. Um, they've got a really nice receiving core coming back, led by Brock Bowers. But like, let's keep in mind, Stetson Bennett had these numbers. He didn't have one receiver go over a thousand yards. Like, I, I know we're all watching um, George Pickens. That's his name. Light up Steelers training camp in preseason. Pickens didn't play hardly last year. So Stetson Bennett did all of this without really an elite receiving core. This is a better receiving core. Offensive lines improved. And if you know anything about Georgia football, it doesn't matter who leaves the running game. The running game is going to be good. Now on the defensive side, this is where I think this is a potential question mark. But I want to emphasize when I say I think they're taking a step back, they are taking a step back from all-time great defense, one of the best in the history of the game, to I think they're going to be a top five or top ten defense in the country. It's not a bad defense. But you cannot tell me that when you have that level of talent and it goes, that there isn't some adjustment. Even Nick Saban, even he goes through years where his team has to adjust. He'll have teams where they have talent across the board. The next year, they've got a great amount of talent coming in. They rotate as well, maybe not as great as Georgia. But the idea that you just reload, I don't buy that. I think there will be a step back. I think we're going to see some more mistakes potentially. We'll see some weaknesses in this defense. But the idea that it's a bad defense, that's not what I'm saying. I'm saying it's a great defense but it's not the all-time historic defense we saw last year. But I love Georgia, potential playoff contender, especially we're going to dive into the schedule here in a second. But the schedule late, really easy. The toughest part of the schedule is like the first <laughs> five weeks. Late in the year, the schedule softens up a lot, which means even if they drop that opener to Oregon, it almost doesn't matter because the rest of the schedule is so easy for them to win. They'll fly back up the rankings. They're going to be in playoff contention late in the year. Yep. Uh, majority of what you said, I agree with. Uh, when it comes to the running game, look, Zamir White was incredible last year and James Cook was, was also very good. So the fact that they don't have some of those guys back, I think, will be a little bit of a deficit on the running game. Granted, Georgia is going to, you know, stack or e- even if someone stacks the box on them, they're still going to push them around. Um, so their running game will be fine. And you're 100 percent right about Stetson Bennett. I wouldn't say he's a great quarterback, though. He's a great game manager. Does that make you a great quarterback? I don't know. Uh, listen, but. I hate that term. I hate that we use game manager to 
almost lowers somebody's ability. As a quarterback, I need you to manage a game. That should actually be your first and foremost. That should be the best skill set that you have is the ability to manage the game. I don't think he's a great thrower of the football. He's not going to give you a 60-yard deep pass, but he's accurate. He can make plays with his feet, and he plays really efficient, and that goes for something. But like this term game manager, like I hear that, and I think, well, that's awesome. Be a game manager. Like you <laughs> It know, fits I the system well, but you're never going to get an explosive play out of Stetson Bennett. Like he's not, not no. He's not going to be a Johnny football running around and then take off. His 60-yard pass is a 10-yard slant completion where the receiver breaks it upfield. Yes. Which he hitting that receiver in the numbers There's on that nothing slant. Wrong with that, though. Yeah, yeah, that's great. Uh he doesn't do anything exceptional, but right. he's great at what he has. Exactly. And he's smart. And I think that's the biggest thing. Because you've got a lot of really talented quarterback doesn't take dumb sacks he's got he had seven picks last year but if you look at any of those picks he didn't have a pick that cost them a game yeah right which is why you know i i think he's fine i i like him so uh right there with you on that receiving core will be great on the defensive side basically if we if we take a gun metaphor where you say like reload uh sure last year they had a bunch of hollow points now they're putting in regular bullets. You still shoot the gun. Like these guys are going to be very good on defense and they're going to scare the crap out of Oregon. It's going to be like duck hunt. You remember playing that? <laughs> That's how it's going to be on September 3rd. So there we go. Full circle with some firearm metaphors. The uh, yeah, Oregon <laughs> sucks for them. Having to play Georgia first. This Georgia team, and we can go through the schedule in just a second, should be favored in everything. They are that talented. Kirby Smart has built another dynasty in the SEC. And because they play in the East, they don't have the same challenges that even Alabama has. Right. No, um, no, I, I agree. They do not have the same challenges Alabama has. Um, I think they're going to be really, really good again. Definitely a playoff contender. Keely Rhino is the player to watch, I think, on defense. Um, I say Rhino, Ringo. Keely Ringo is the player to watch on defense. That kid's absolutely incredible defensive back. Um, so I think bringing him in on this defense is a really, really special player. Let's break down the schedule. They're going to start off with Oregon. We talked about this when we did the Pac-12 podcast. I'm sticking with it. I still think it's a toss-up. It leans Georgia. It it's leans in Atlanta. Georgia. Georgia should be a 14-point favorite. I'm not saying like Georgia shouldn't be the favorite team in the game or that Oregon should win. But I'm saying the idea that Oregon can't go in there and give them a fight and make it close and potentially come up with a win, I think that's wrong. I think Oregon has that capacity. Um I think it's going to be a really fun game. Second game, they're going to play Samford at home. They're going to win that game. Now, Ben, this is the thing that Ben is absolutely going to hate. Georgia goes to South Carolina week three. I've got it marked as a toss-up with a massive condition. Massive condition. Okay. Only if they beat Oregon by 10 or more. If the Oregon game is close or if Oregon wins, which I think is possible, then I think Georgia is going to blow the lights off South Carolina. But 
South Carolina has been Georgia's kryptonite, even as recent as 2019, where South Carolina was terrible and Georgia won 12 games. South Carolina knocked off Georgia 20 to 17 in Athens, by the way, with Will yep. Muschamp, who all the South Carolina fans wanted to fire. So, like, the point is, a South Carolina could be bad, Georgia could be great in this game could still be a loss for Georgia. Now, Georgia's going to be favored. Georgia should win by 20. But I think this is a really interesting game. And the fact that it comes week three and it's at Williams-Brice Stadium in Columbia, South Carolina, that's where I think it gets interesting. And by the way, for Spencer Rattler, he's looking. He is looking for that game where he can just come out and light the world on fire. He was a Heisman candidate last year, right? Well, if you think about Heisman candidates, they've always got to have that one moment. He wants to get back onto that stage this year. Beating Georgia at home in front of 60,000 crazy South Carolina fans, that would do it. Now, Georgia's the favorite. I'm not saying they shouldn't be, but this is the one other game on Georgia's schedule that I've got marked circled simply because the history is there and South Carolina's on an upward trajectory. Oh, man, I love the storyline. Uh, South Carolina will get beat by 20 plus. Okay. You go ahead. <laughs> then Georgia's going to play Kent State at home. That's a win. At Missouri is a win. They're going to get Auburn at home October 8th. I think that's a win too. Yep. Crush them. Okay. <laughs> um, they're going to play Vandy at home October 15th. I think that's a loss for Vandy, not for Georgia. <laughs> <laughs> um, they get a bye week October 22nd. Uh, then they're going to play Florida um, in Jacksonville. That's the world's largest cocktail party. That's right. Got it. All right. I've got that as a win for Georgia. Same, Same for you. Okay. Uh-huh. Tennessee at home. I've also got marked as a win. If Big the dubs. game were in Knoxville, maybe I'd feel differently. The fact that it's in Athens, that's a huge edge for Georgia. Yeah. Right. Um. At Mississippi State is a win, though maybe Mississippi State throws for 3,000 yards because it's Mike Leach. Um, <laughs> at, no, at Kentucky, November 19th, I've got that marked as a win. But but I think that's a really interesting game if Georgia comes in undefeated. Kentucky thinking revenge from last year. I would say keep an eye on it because it could get interesting late. Um, and then the last game, Georgia's going to play um, the least popular team, including high school teams in the state of Georgia, Georgia Tech. Um, boggles my mind how nobody in Georgia like looks at Georgia Tech as one of their own. Like it's just crazy to me. Um, Georgia's going there for them. engineering, and that's about it. That's, I mean, that is it. The rambling wreck of Georgia Tech, a hell of an engineer. There you go. Um, I think Georgia crushes crushes the Yellow Jackets. So Ben, I've got them going. I think they're going to go eleven and one. I don't think twelve and zero is out of the realm of possibility. Um, and I I think they could end up ten and two. I think that's on the table. But this is still one of the top five teams in the country right now. Yeah, I've got Uga twelve and zero. Uh, I think the deciding factor will be the SEC championship game, and it'll be interesting there to see kind of how that plays out, similar to how last year ended up if they are 12 and 0 but losing the sec championship game are they in the playoff it depends on how they perform you know if they have a few close games if they struggle against oregon and struggle at south carolina then it'll be a tough play to put them in depending on what else happens you've got ohio state who's for sure going to be in 
and then you have an entire gambit of other teams from other conferences that may be worthy. Yeah. So it's going to be tough. I think the interesting storyline, I still want to see a two-loss team get into the playoff. If Georgia <laughs> were to go 10-2, and two, lose to Oregon, let's just say lose to South Carolina because that was how the game marked as a toss-up, but then they go 10-2 and two, and they beat the lights off of Alabama in the SEC championship game, what does the committee do with a 10-2 and two team? You have to put them in. Eight straight games and knocked off Alabama in the conference championship game. Do you put them in? I if, mean, they, if they got hot late and they only lost two games – and they are the defending national champions, you have to put them in. I think it's really interesting. So I love that. That's tap. what I'm rooting for. Like, go Oregon, go it. Gamecocks, and then Georgia <laughs> went out the rest of the year. That's what I want to see. Um, Chaos. All right. Let's We'd have to over. expand the playoff. No, you don't. You need You'd to have to after it that. down to three teams and do a plus one model, but we'll talk about that a different day. Um, <laughs> all right, let's go to Tennessee. Yep. Um, Ben, I'm excited about this team. I think they're going to be drastically improved. I don't know what that necessarily means in terms of win wins losses yet, but Cedric Tillman coming back is as big of a deal as Hendon Hooker coming back. That's going to be a heck of a one-two combo there in the East. Um, and then they're bringing back Jabari Small as well as Hendon Hooker. So Hendon Hooker last year, he led the team in rushing with 816 yards. Jabari Small also at 800 yards. This was a good rushing offense and a good pass offense. Um, the offensive talent on this team is definitely there. They're bringing back seven starters on the defensive side of the ball. Their weakness last year was they allowed 273 passing yards per game. That has got to stop. You cannot do that. Um, in the SEC and expect to win a lot of games. So if you want to know why this team only won seven games, that was it. Um, also, you looked last year at their schedule. They had some nice wins. They went to Kentucky, they won. They went to Missouri, put up 62 points and won. They also lost to Florida by 24. They lost to Ole Miss in a crazy game, and they lost to Georgia 41-17. So this team was a little all over the map last year. I think they're an improved team. Um, the key player, I think, is Cedric Tillman coming back at 1,000 receiving yards, 12 touchdowns. He comes back. Receiving core should be really, really good. Yep, completely agree. Uh, is it Cedric or Cedric? It may be Cedric. Yeah, I think it's, it's... Cedric's and Cedric's. I'll never get them right. <laughs> Cedric Tillman with 12 touchdowns on the year is great. When you think about you know the three positions where you're going to have you need some consistency to be, you know, a good offense. You have to have a solid wide receiver one. You have to have a solid running back. You have to have a solid quarterback. So the three things. So Tennessee has those and their defense is not terrible. Uh, they bring back, you know, 15 starters from last year from a team that yes, was middle of the pack, but should be greatly improved year over year. Uh, when it comes to, you know, Hendon Hooker and the remainder of the offense, a lot of people are really high on them right now. And uh, it makes sense because Tennessee is traditionally an excellent program that has been mediocre at best for a decade. It's about their time to actually put things together. I think Josh Heupel is doing that, getting the team ready to go. They'll be a contender, except when they play Alabama 
and Georgia, which are going to be automatic losses. Yeah, I think the thing that stands out to me, Ben, is last year when they went at Kentucky and they won that game by three, the interesting game was going to Kentucky, a team that was ranked, had a lot of hype going into that game. The line, it was actually even, and the game was in Lexington, Kentucky. And so what does that tell you? Well, that tells you that Vegas went into that game and said Tennessee is a three-point better team. We're adjusting it to even because it's in Lexington. And then Tennessee still went one by three. That tells me a lot. And so the fact that Tennessee last year finished third and Kentucky finished second, well, now Tennessee getting that game in Knoxville, that could be the difference between two and three. It would have been last year. Um, I'm sorry, it wouldn't have been last year, but it could be this year if Kentucky's an improved team. So I think that's a really interesting spot that they're sitting in. I think they'll be improved. Um, but the schedule's a little bit tough. They got to go to Georgia, to LSU, to South Carolina, um, and to Pittsburgh. Those are not guarantees. Yep. I have one of them as a guarantee. So you have one of them as a guarantee? Yeah, I've got at Pitt. Yeah. Um, all right. Well, let's walk through the schedule. So Ball State at Pitt, home against Akron. Um, Ben, I'm with you. I do think Pitt is a win. I don't think it's a guarantee. I don't think any game in college football, unless you're playing the FCS, is a guarantee. But I do think that's a win for Tennessee. Um, Ball State at home on a Thursday night, it's a win. Akron's a win. September 24th, they're going to play Florida. That will be in Knoxville. That's yep. where I think things get interesting. But again, you luck out getting Florida in week four and not week 10. So the fact that that game is in Knoxville, it's early in the year. I'm giving Tennessee the edge on that one. Yeah, I definitely give Tennessee the edge there as well. But I also don't know what this Florida team is anything like. They're the my biggest question mark in the SEC East. Well, the one thing they do, Ben, is if you look at Billy Napier, he's an offensive coordinator whose teams have never really been great at offense. But the one thing they do on offense is they like to run the ball. They do not pass the ball very well. So Tennessee's weakness on defense last year was pass defense. Florida, I don't think, is going to be a great passing team, especially early on. Um, I think they're going to try and be run dominant. I think that actually plays into Tennessee's advantage, especially with Hendon Hooker being there um, at quarterback. So, um, no, I get it, but I, I think they line up well. I think Tennessee lines up well with them. Um, they're going to get a bye week, and then October 8th, head to LSU. I think going to LSU is a is a tricky place to go and win. But, again, LSU is in a rebuilding mode. Brian Kelly is just going to be, I think, you know, scraping for wins this year. Um, it could get interesting, but I've got Tennessee winning that game as well. Mm. Yeah, I have that as a toss-up. It's actually in LSU's favor. It's hard to win in Tiger Stadium. Very tough, yeah. And then Tennessee comes home, they're going to play Alabama at home. That, I think, is a guaranteed loss. Like, no chance of beating Alabama. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It's been 15 years since they beat Alabama. Make it 16. Right. Well, and even then, Ben... I don't think if you said, it, is this the best Tennessee team in the past 16 years? I don't think it is. I think they're good. I think they're moving in the right direction. But I think we can point to some teams that actually are going to outperform or outperform this one. Um, they get Tennessee Martin at home. That's a win. Then they're going to get Kentucky at home. But revenge game for Kentucky and Kentucky's off of a bye. Um, 
Now, I like leaning Tennessee here, but I've got this marked as a toss-up just because of the metrics. Yep, I have the same thing. Uh, look, Tennessee's kind of off of a buy as well. They play UT Martin, which they could probably put their entire second string in and still win that game. Uh, so they'll be able to rest half those guys in the back half of the that, but they won't have the preparation time. I think that's the biggest thing. Ben calling the Skyhawks of Tennessee Martin a bye week. Ouch. Um, sucks to suck. Then Tennessee heads to Georgia. That I think is a loss. Again, if the game were in Knoxville, I think it'd be interesting, but going to Georgia, I don't think they win. Um, Missouri at home is a win at South Carolina next to last game. Now I marked it as a toss up. I think you need to circle it, but here's the thing with South Carolina in that game. And we'll talk about their schedule here in just a second. Mm -hmm. That is a bad spot to get Tennessee at home because the thing is, is the two weeks before that they are on the road at Vandy at Florida. And then the week after it, they're going to be at Clemson, which I think South Carolina probably will have their eyes on. So I've got it as a toss up. But if Tennessee went into South Carolina and beat them by 20, like that would not shock me. Same. I have that as a win for Tennessee. Um, At Vandy to end the year as a win. Yep. Cool. All right. Let's go to the Gators. Gator Nation. Chomp, chomp. Billy Napier in for Dan Mullen. Um, (laughs) I like Billy Napier. I think he's a good coach. He's won, I think, 11 games or more every year for the past three years at uh, Louisiana, which is massive. And that's not just playing weak teams. They've actually scheduled some tough out-of-conference opponents and beaten Iowa State there. Um, So good coach. But here's the thing. He is an offensive coordinator. And if you look at the strength of Louisiana, it's been overwhelmingly on the defensive side. Now, the reason why that may be okay is Patrick Tony is the defensive coordinator. He was the defensive coordinator at Louisiana as well. But there is an adjustment going from your game planning against Georgia Southern to now your game planning against Georgia. And so how does he make that transition into the SEC for not just Billy Napier, but the entire staff? Anthony Richardson is back at quarterback. Last year, he was not great through six touchdowns, five picks, um, under a 60% completion rating. Um, Emory Jones came in. He was a little bit better, but not much. So I think Anthony Richardson coming back is big. I think he fits in well with what Billy Napier likes to do on offense. But don't, don't get this wrong. Florida's going to want to run the ball. The strength of this team, I do think, is on the defensive side. They bring back seven starters, all really, really talented. That's where I think we're going to see Florida find a way to win some games. But if you look at the schedule last year, Ben, they beat Florida Atlantic, South Florida, Vandy, Samford, Florida State, all teams who were bad. Their best win was they did smack Tennessee at home 38-14. to Other than that, super disappointing year. Well, they did play Alabama close. They were really close to Alabama early on. They were. Um, Should have won that game if they weren't stupid, but they were stupid. (laughs) Dan Mullen. They're the reason why Dan Mullen's gone. Uh-huh. Um, so I think I think it's going to be a I don't think it's going to be a terrible year, but I think the idea that Billy Napier comes in and this team wins ten games that I don't see. Yeah, and that that Florida Bama game last year, I think Bama crushed them early on. They were up like three touchdowns and then they came back, but bad calls later on in the in that game, bad clock management. So unfortunate for Florida last year, but maybe very good for them 
you know, getting rid of Dan Mullen and bringing in, which Dan Mullen's not a bad coach. I'll say that. Bringing in Billy Napier. Uh, I think Florida is one of the best places for a coach from another conference that doesn't really matter to actually come in and do something special. Why uh, is that? Urban Meyer was kind of the the man who came from Utah from a team that back then were they even in the Pac-12? I don't know if they were. No, they were in the um, Mountain I West. Think they may have been in the WAC. They the WAC. Like, Something yeah, like that. I know yeah. they were in the Mountain West um, before they went to the Pac-12. They were either Mountain West or WAC at that point. Yeah, some some conference that didn't matter, and everyone was like, "What the heck are they doing?" And he comes in and wins some outies. So, look, it's it's a great place that has a ton of potential to build talent. Granted, he did not really take on the recruiting trail like they wanted. They lost a lot of players in the transfer portal. They didn't gain as many as they probably should have with a brand recognition that is Gator Nation. But they are not a bad team in any stretch. Uh, they did pull over Ricky Pearsall from uh, Arizona State as a wide receiver. They have Anthony Richardson, who, if you've watched him play, is an electric quarterback. He can you know, be for he, sure. just needs to be more efficient. Yep. So Stop just get smarter with the ball. He's a sophomore this year, so that year under his belt where he had to kind of share playing time with Emory Blake was a good learning experience. Uh, I expect to see some really great things from him. And then when it comes to the overall approach for this team, they should be decent on offense, strong on defense, 13 returning starters overall. I think Billy Napier will have a good year. I have them... As far as the schedule goes, we'll, we'll get through in just a second. At worst, six and six, so they're going bowling, and at best, a potential ten and two season. Wow! So, yeah, I've got a handful of toss-ups where, if it goes in Florida's favor, look out for some good stuff. Yeah, I, I definitely have quite a few toss-ups on the schedule as well. So let's break down the schedule. Um, it starts off tough. Utah at home, Kentucky at home. I have both marked as toss-ups. I think they could win, but I mean. The, those games are going to be favored for the other team. Yeah, I agree with both of those. Uh, the biggest advantage that Florida has in that is it playing in the swamp. So the fans have to show up. They have to be loud. They have to make that place rock like they do for an SEC game yeah. early on in the season. I think they will. Uh, look, Kentucky of old, I would not say that they'd pack the stadium for that. But Kentucky now, I think that's a huge game. Utah as well. Oh, well, and when you're with... early in the year in the SEC, it doesn't oh, yeah, really matter who the opponent is. Yeah, the fans well, are going to be there. They're going to be going nuts. Auburn's playing two cream puffs to start the season, and we were like basically giving tickets away. So I wouldn't say that, but it it will be big for Florida under the the Napier regime, especially um, after a quiet off season. Week three, Florida plays South Florida at home. Now, the reason I don't like this is it is the rule that I have three straight home games. I think you lose about a one or two points of your home edge during that third straight home game. Now, I've got it marked as a win for Florida, but again, early on in the year where Florida is not as good, they don't have as much of a home foot advantage. They'll beat South Florida but this is not going to be beating South Florida by 40 points. It's going to be, a, I think, a closer game than most people expect, like a 30 to 20 game. Yeah, a lot of the Florida teams, if you want to see parity within a state, you've got seven programs in the state of Florida, all of them pretty good. 
FSC is one of the worst. South Florida, Florida State, Florida, Miami, Florida Atlantic. Yeah, there's there's a ton of decent teams in the state of Florida, which is because there's a ton of talent in the state of Florida. Oh no, why Gators should be strong every year. Yeah, week four, September twenty fourth, they go to Tennessee. I have that marked as a loss. I just think going to Knoxville that early in the year is going to be too rough. And then they're going to get Eastern Washington and Missouri at home. I think that Missouri game, October 8th, that is where I think we're going to see Florida take some strides. They get a chance against Eastern Washington to work out the kinks, right? So they had four tough games, right? Got through those. Now we get Eastern Washington to work out some kinks. Then we go back in a conference play with Missouri. I think that game, Florida and Missouri, I think Florida honestly is just going to destroy Missouri in that game. Yep. I've got Tennessee as a toss up. I think Florida could have, especially if they come in, you know, 2 and 0 to start the season, then just crush UC, USF, not UCF, one of those Florida teams. A 3 and 0 Florida team going to Tennessee, your Gators travel. So Neyland Stadium won't be as of a ruckus for that, say that does happen. Uh, Gators have been wanting a really good team for a while, and they've had some mediocre ones. So expect that one to be really, really interesting, depending on how the the first three games of the season go for Florida. Agree with Eastern Washington and Missouri, though. Just crush both of them. Um, October 15th, they're going to play LSU at home. Now, I marked it as a toss-up. I mean, Brian Kelly's in his first year as well. This should probably be a slight edge to Florida, but LSU's got tremendously more talent on their roster than Florida does, yep. with the exception of maybe the quarterback position. So it's a toss-up. Will but any that, shoes be tossed? There may be some toss shoes. I certainly hope so. <laughs> um, then they get a bye week, and then they get Georgia um, for the biggest uh, world's biggest cocktail party. That game's in Jacksonville. Now, I think Georgia wins this, but I would say – Florida getting this game late October like normal, but coming off of a bye week, that's huge. And so with them coming off of a bye week, Georgia goes into that game, huge edge. Florida's got the fans behind them. Florida's got the underdog personality. It may get interesting, but I think Georgia wins it. At Texas A&M, I think also is a loss for Florida. I just don't think they're going to go on the road to, I think, the second best team in the SEC West and pull off a win barring any sort of injuries. Yep. All right. South Carolina at home, I think, is a win. Again, late in the year, home game, important SEC West team. I think this, and I think it's a tough spot for South Carolina as well. I think Florida is going to crush them. Senior day, I think they crush them. Yeah, I actually have that as a toss up. And the reason being is I think South Carolina has hit their stride at this point. South Carolina, granted, yeah, they're they're greatly improved, but they have a lot of the, uh, I don't know, question marks that we're going to see with Spencer Rattler coming in and it being the second year under Shane Beamer, yeah. kind of how they turn the edge. Do they turn the edge? So I've got it as a toss-up against Florida. Uh, it is really tough in the swamp, and it depends – here's one of the biggest things is you've got two losses and I've got those as well on mine where maybe the fans are like, well, here we are. We, we suck again. Are they going to show up for that South Carolina game? Yeah. It's senior day. Yes. The last home game of the season. I don't know. Do they give up at that point? Yeah. 
Um, they're going to go at Vandy November 19th. I think that's a win at Florida State November 25th. I marked it as a toss-up Friday night game, big in-state rivalry, and I think Florida State, Mike Norvell is on the hot seat there. So I think if he gets to that point, that is a really, really big game, important game for him to win. Um, so I've got it marked as a toss-up. Uh, I've got a big, big W for Florida against Vandy, and then I actually have the same thing for Florida State. Florida State's terrible. Norvell should pack his bags. Like <laughs> I don't know who they get as a coach to actually turn that program around. Good luck, Chuck. Yeah. Um, all right, let's flip over to Kentucky now. So Kentucky bringing back Christian Rod- Christopher Rodriguez, bringing back Will Levis. The biggest question mark for this team, and they've got five returning starters on defense. Um, they lost some players on the offensive line as well. But the biggest question mark for this team is really at receiver. They lose from last year. They lose, I think, their top three receivers from last year. And then on top of that, they really only had one good receiver, Wondell Robinson. Other than that, they only had – see, they had two receivers over 600 receiving yards and then four guys under 200 receiving yards for the year. So the receiving position last year was a bit of a weakness for this team. They're bringing in some transfers. I think Will Levis is a good enough quarterback to where that almost doesn't matter, especially if they can figure it out against Miami of Ohio and Youngstown State. But I don't know if that's going to be kind of the Achilles heel of Kentucky. Um, I'll tell you this, though. Will Levis is great. Mark Stoops has completely flipped this program around. This is not the Kentucky of old. They are not a bottom feeder. I don't care what John Calabari says. It's not just a basketball school. They can win some football games. Um, I've got Kentucky's a good team, Ben. I think they'll contend for that second spot in the division. Yep, I agree with that. Uh, the only reason I didn't have them, and I still had them at four, middle of the pack, is because I just like the upside of the two before them more than Kentucky. However, there is a ton of upside with this team if they are able to play the cards right. Yeah. So just like you said, look, Will Levis is a solid quarterback back again off of a 24-touchdown, 2,826-yard performance. Uh, He did turn the ball over almost half of the touchdowns he threw, so he's got to get that under under control. He also ran for nine touchdowns too. I mean, the guy's <laughs> not just a thrower, but I mean, that's true. The, he gets in the red zone. He can make some stuff happen. Yep. Their, their main running package is back as well. So yeah, they've lost a lot of talent when it comes to wide receivers, but because you have a solid quarterback who can put it on the numbers, you just have to be able to catch the ball and you'll be okay. Yeah. Um, let's dive through the schedule. They're going to start off with Miami of Ohio at Florida home against Youngstown State. Miami of Ohio and Youngstown State both are wins at yep. Florida. I mentioned it earlier. I think that one's a toss-up. I agree. Uh, it'll be a tough game for Kentucky to go in and play Florida in the swamp. But early on in the season, the edge should be on Kentucky's side, depending yeah. on what Florida puts together. Then they're going to play Northern Illinois at home, at Ole Miss, and then South Carolina at home. So I've got Northern Illinois as a win. I've got at Ole Miss as a loss. And then I've got South Carolina at home as a toss-up. Hmm. So I've got Northern Illinois as a win. South Carolina also as a win. Toss-up being that Ole Miss game. Wow. Okay. Look, Kentucky's um, a good team. So there's a potential for them to 
you know, go into the grove and make some magic. Yeah, I mean, I think their Ole Miss has a secondary where I just don't know if Kentucky's wide receiver core can complete can compete with that secondary. Um, and Kentucky last year wasn't a great pass defense as well. The one thing Ole Miss is going to do, no matter who the quarterback or receivers there are that are there, they're going to pass the ball well. So I think it's a little bit of a mismatch, and the fact that it's at the Grove, I think big big edge to Ole Miss. Um, so speaking of Mississippi, Kentucky's going to play Mississippi State on October 15th. That one's at home. I marked it as a toss-up. They're at Tennessee on the 29th. I've got that as a toss-up too. And then they're going to play at Missouri on November 5th. I think that is a win, though I don't love the Missouri game as much as I do the rest of these SEC East teams. So it's a little bit interesting, but Kentucky wins. Yeah, I like Mississippi State, but I've got that as a win for Kentucky. At Tennessee, I have as a toss-up. It will be really interesting in that game. Uh, granted, Kentucky is coming off of a bye, so I think that may be some benefit there when it comes to playing in Neyland when, Stadium. When you have a good coach, so think about this. When you have a really good coach, you're coming off of a bye, it's mm-hmm. normally a three-point edge. When you have a good home field, that's normally a three-point edge. So going to Tennessee off of a bye week, I think that means – I think it negates the home field advantage that Tennessee has because it's Kentucky's getting the bye week. Now that flips around too. It negates the bye week advantage Kentucky would have. But yeah, I think that's a really interesting game. Yeah, they're going to have to. So here's the thing. Neyland Stadium hasn't been packed that I've seen in a long time. But that place is like the Roman Coliseum. It's insanely large. And if they actually have a ruckus in there, it can be one of the hardest places to play in the SEC. Yeah. So um, we'll see. They're going to have to practice with some headphones on. Yeah. Um, they're going to play Vanderbilt at home. That's a win. Georgia at home. Again, marked it as a loss, but revenge game from last year, getting them at home. Who knows where Kentucky's at for the year? Maybe it gets interesting, but I think Georgia wins. And then game to end the year, they're going to get Louisville at home. I think Louisville's an improved team. I don't think they're good enough to compete with Kentucky. Kentucky gets that win. Yep. So I've got them potentially 11-1, but I think a solid 8-4 and four yep. for Kentucky is worst-case scenario. All right, let's go over to the Gamecocks, South Carolina. Spencer Rattler transfers in. Um, Christian Bill Smith transfers in. He comes over from uh, Wake Forest, I believe. Um, yep. Jaheim Bell is back at tight end. Austin Steigner transfers in. So bringing in some transfers. Shane Beamer showed last year he can be a good coach. They've got nine returning starters on the on the offensive side, five on the defensive side. Um, I think the secondary is actually going to be a bit of a strength for this team, which make, means they really shouldn't be getting crushed by anybody. Doesn't mean they're going to win all of their games, but nobody should be beating the, you know, putting up 40, 50 points on them because their defense is good enough to defend that. So South Carolina, I think, will be a good football team. They'll be improved, but can they climb out of fifth in the SEC East? That's where it's a little bit up in the air. Yeah, it's going to be tough. Uh, Look, Shane Beamer has done a great job. Granted, I think he should be coaching at Virginia Tech. Huge miss. Stupid Hokies. Uh, uh, I mean, what if he didn't want to? I mean, build his own legacy. Yeah, do I it guess. At SEC program. You got castrated turkeys, chickens that fight. Yeah, pretty similar. He can make his own path here. 
have to go there, Ben. Apologies <laughs> to all of our Virginia Tech fans. That was unfair. Look it up, dictionary.com. Uh, yeah, look, Shane Beamer is making moves for sure. Uh, I don't know if this is the year. I don't think so based on their schedule. But they are building a program there that's something special that South Carolina hasn't had in quite some time. So uh, all the pieces are kind of coming together. Give it some time to gel. South Carolina will be going bowling, but they have some tough games when we break down the schedule. Yeah, they do. So let's get into the schedule. They're going to start off with Georgia State at home. Um, I think that's a big win for South Carolina. Um, though Georgia State was a good uh, Sunbelt program last year. Um, then they're going to go to Arkansas. Ben, I marked it as a loss, but Me too. man, that's a big game for South Carolina. And there's going to be a ton of momentum rolling in that game. Yeah, but the edge is definitely in Arkansas's favor. Oh, for sure. Uh, barring any injuries, they're going to come in ready to rock and roll this year. Yeah. They're going to have home field advantage. Walmart Stadium's going to be pumping. Well, uh, and I mean, I think Arkansas is going to be the better team in the trenches. And if you really just picked college teams based on who wins the battle in the trenches, generally you're going to win more times than not. So mm-hmm. that's a big edge for Arkansas, especially at home. Um, South Carolina is going to turn around and come back home and play Georgia. That's the one I marked as a toss up based on a big condition. Um, South Carolina has been the kryptonite to Georgia before. It would not shock me at all. Spencer Sanders coming or uh, Spencer Rattler coming in. Um, Shane Beamer looking for kind of that marquee win to say, hey, look what I did at South Carolina. This is the opportunity to get that. I think this game is really intriguing. <sighs> intriguing as the story goes. But South Carolina is going to get crushed. <laughs> I, I'm telling you, man. Uh, no, after get, after getting beat by Arkansas, coming back and just getting stomped by Georgia, it's gonna be it's gonna be a tough couple of weeks. But I mean, that's exactly how it should play out. They go to Georgia, they lose a game on the road, they come back, they're pissed, they're at home, they got their fans. Spencer Rattler looking for a big game. I mean, that's that's the recipe we've seen before. Um, Charlotte at home is a win. South Carolina State at home, I think that's also a win. Um, and then they're going to go to Kentucky. I marked that one as a toss-up. Yeah, I've got two Kentucky at a loss. Uh, South Carolina fans are going to be very thankful that they play Charlotte and South Carolina State because they need well, some wins. Charlotte was actually a pretty good group of five team last year. Um, could, they could improve off of that. Um, they get a bye week October 15th. October 22nd, they get AM at home. That's a loss. Missouri at home is a win, and at Vandy, though Vandy's coming off of a bye and it's in Nashville, I'm giving South Carolina the edge there. I think they're going to beat Vandy. Yep, agreed. Vandy doesn't win a game. We'll get there soon. Um, At Florida, November 12th, I've got it as a loss. Tennessee at home on the 19th, I've got it as a toss-up. At Clemson on the 26th, I've got it as a loss, but, man, ukulele, he better – he better substantially improve because if South Carolina's coming in there and they've got, you know, Spencer Rattler and he's firing things off and he looks great. And ukulele is what we got last year. I mean, maybe that game's closer than what it looks like right now. Yep. Look, I think the Texas A&M game will be very interesting because it'll really show how this South Carolina team faces adversity uh, after a bye. And then, 
depending on how that goes, I actually have Florida as a toss-up. Granted, it's at Florida, but I think depending on what's happening during the season, fans could be checked out at that point. And then Tennessee is a loss because I think Tennessee is going to hit a stride. Clemson I also have as a loss. However, I would not be surprised if South Carolina pulled out some magic late in the season. Yeah. Well, I mean, it's such, such a brutal way to end the year going to Florida, Tennessee, Clemson. I mean, you better go into that stretch six and three or else you may not be in a bowl. Um, mm-hmm. I'm just saying like that South Carolina getting to a bowl game, they could be an improved team, but miss out on a ball just because of how tough the schedule is at the end. Yep. All right, let's go to Missouri. Talk about the Tigers. Um, I got to tell you, Luther Burden coming in. He is great. They just named Brady Cook the starting quarterback. Don't know exactly how great that's going to be, but they've got, I think, a potentially exploding offense. The biggest question is how to replace Tyler Beatty at running back. That's where Missouri is going to struggle a little bit. Can they do that? Um, And then the defense last year was just not very good in a lot of respects. Allowed over 400 yards a game. Allowed 227 rushing yards a game. That's got to improve as well if this team's going to compete. Yeah, Tyler Brady last year with 1,600 yards of offense and 14 touchdowns is pretty tough. Yeah. Uh, Look, they also lost, what was it, Connor Basilak? their old quarterback uh you take out those two players and you've got majority of the offense that is gone so while they are returning 14 starters defense will be about the same from a team that allowed some pretty bad losses and the offense is going to be fairly new and the schedule is good which is solid for missouri but dude it's going to be a tough year yeah I'm in agreement. Um, Let's get into the schedule. They're going to play Louisiana Tech at home. I think that's a win. Then they go at Kansas State. I've got it as a loss, Ben. And then they're going to get, they will get Abilene Christian at home. That I think is a win. But yeah, I don't think they're going to beat Kansas State on the road. Yeah, I uh, actually had Kansas State as a win there. So I've got the first three as wins. And maybe uh, Eli is like feeling okay. But. Then comes the pain. Well, Ben calling Auburn the pain is interesting. Don't know that I would do that, but I do have that game marked as a loss for Missouri, so I don't think they win. Also have Georgia and Florida both marked as losses as well. Yep, same. Um, They're going to get Vandy at home off of a bye week. You know, if this game were in Vandy and not off of a bye week, maybe it would be interesting, but that's a big edge for Missouri, so I think they win. Then they'll go to South Carolina, Kentucky at home. I've got both of those marked as losses. Yep. Way to way to put a good homecoming game for your university in. Solid there scheduling go. there. They're going to win against Vandy. They're going to play at Tennessee. I've got it as a loss. New Mexico State um, at home on the 19th of November. That's a win. And then they'll end the year senior day at home against Arkansas. I marked it as a loss, but Arkansas late in the year, I don't know. I don't know if that team comes in super motivated to go to Missouri and with it being Missouri senior day, maybe it gets a little bit interesting. That that game could go either way, but I've got it as a win for Arkansas. Yeah, I've got it as a win for Arkansas as well. Uh Look, Arkansas is going to be middle of the pack. They'll already be bowl eligible. 
So there's a chance that maybe the guys will, won't care that much, but I just think the talent wise, you've got a much better program with an Arkansas than even Missouri. I don't think Missouri's going to make it to a bowl game. I think Elijah Drinkowitz is gone. Uh, I don't know who Missouri hires that actually can compete in a pro, in well, a conference where they also now have Texas and Oklahoma. Yeah. And here's the thing about Missouri. If you look at their schedule last year, so they won six games, got the six and seven. Here are the wins. Central Michigan won by 10. Um, Southeast Missouri State won 59 to 28. Now, the interesting thing, both of those games, which they won, they didn't cover either one. Then they played North Texas, won that, but also did not cover. Vanderbilt, they won, did not cover. South Carolina, they won by three. They did cover that. And then they did pull off an upset at Florida 24-23. But that was already at a point where I think we knew Dan Mullen was out the door. Yep. Like things were wrong at Florida. That was not right. So, again, the biggest win of the year, those last two games, they pulled off wins. But if you look at the rest of the schedule, of those six wins, it's nothing impressive. It's nope. beating bad teams and not even beating them by as much as Vegas thought you would. Yeah, and the thing that that really hurts Missouri here is a nine-game SEC schedule is going to be just brutal for them. Oh, yeah. So I wouldn't um, say they're the, the Vandy of the East, but we already have Vandy in the East, so they'll be the true. Vandy of whatever pod they get put in. <laughs> All right, speaking of Vandy, let's go over to Vanderbilt. Um, Mike Wright was named the starter today. They also have Ethan Barr. He's the best player on this defense, had three picks last year. I just don't think in 2022 your best player or your only good player, let me rephrase, can be a linebacker who had three picks off of a year ago. You've got to give me something on secondary. you got to have a good pass rush. They just don't. And I don't know that Mike Wright should be the guy um, to get the start at quarterback. He only completed 53% last year, eight pit, or eight touchdowns, six picks. Not great. Um, did run for a touchdown. Um, so I'm, again, like you, Ben, really low on this team. Yeah, Mike Wright threw less picks than, uh, who was the other guy, Seals? So whatever. Yeah, It doesn't matter who Vandy puts on the field. Look, this is a team who should live by the motto they created. Uh, if they would just play like a girl, they might actually win a game or two. Uh, I I was a big fan of Sarah Fuller coming on this team a few years ago, God. and they couldn't even <laughs> get her in field goal range to be able to yeah. to be able to break. She would have a missed a fifteen yard chip shot. No, nah. that. Nah, no, she would have gotten it. No, nope. made history. Right. So Vandy, it, there was no chance. It, who who knew? Because Vandy wouldn't let her get any close. So, um, all right. So August twenty seventh, they're already in route. They're going to play at Hawaii. I've got it marked as a loss. Yep. All right. Week two, they're going to play Elon at home. Taking on the Elon's a good FCS team, guys. Um, but I think Vandy so. does win that one. So I'm give, giving Vandy the benefit of the doubt. That will be their win. Maybe Elon will own Twitter by then. Uh, Space Force, whatever, Starlight. I don't know what all these companies are that this guy has, but September. I know it's not 10th, Musk. However, I think September 10th, they play Wake Forest at home. And Ben, I marked it as a toss up because Sam Hartman is injured for the year. Yep. And I loved Wake Forest a few weeks ago when we did our ACC preview. 
But Sam Hartman being out for the year, I think, makes it tough for them. And that game's early in the year in Nashville. Again, I think Vanderbilt loses, but <laughs> I don't think you can ignore how big of a loss it is for Wake Forest. I, I think it's um, a, a chance for Vandy. You're right. It's a chance. September 17th, they go to Northern Illinois. Last chance of the year to get a win. And I've got that marked as a toss-up. I'm right there with you. Okay. <laughs> Going to Northern Illinois. This um, is great. Won't be right, that cold September yet. September 24th, so okay. they go into Alabama. Now, you could say it's a win if they lose by anything less than 40. But for the sake of just looking at records, I'm marking this as a loss. Um, and I mean, cover then, the spread. Uh, Ole Miss at home, at Georgia, at Missouri, South Carolina at home, at Kentucky, home against Florida, home against Tennessee. I've got them all marked as L's. I love the way you did that. Yes. Let's get it over with. Let's pull off the Band-Aid. See ya. <laughs> I'm sorry. Um, and Clark Lee might be a good coach. It's nothing against him. Who was it? DJ Durkin was their last coach, and he's like, you know, kind of revived his career a little bit. It doesn't matter who's the coach at Vandy. Doesn't matter. Um, bad program. <laughs> Though maybe James Franklin needs to come back. I'm yeah, he might. Thing. He might after he gets fired from Penn State. After it they may lose work. to Auburn. All right. There is, on that note, there is your fourth string podcast that finishes our Power 5 conference previews. We'll be back sometime within the next few days with our group of five and Notre Dame preview. So be on the lookout for that. See ya.